scripture this morning. Before, will you join me in praying? God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the ability to come together to hear your word, to hear yeah, more about who you are and who you've made us to be. We pray that as we read this scripture, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, that you open our eyes to you in a new way. Our scripture passage this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 21, and it's a long one, so it'll be verses 1 through 17, so bear with me. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage of the Mount of Olives, Jesus gave two disciples a task. He said to them, go into the village over there. As soon as you enter, you will find a donkey tied up and a colt with it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anybody says anything to you, say that the Lord needs it. He sent them off right away. Now this happened to fulfill what the prophet said. Say to daughter Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the donkey's offspring. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had ordered them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them. Then he sat on them. Now a large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others cut palm branches off the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds in front of him and behind him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessings to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Who is this? They asked. The crowds answered, it's the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Then Jesus went to the temple and threw out all those who were selling and buying there. He pushed over the tables used for currency exchange and the chairs of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a hideout for crooks. People who were blind and lame came to Jesus in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and legal experts saw the amazing things he was doing and the children shouted in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were angry. Jesus, they said to Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, he answered. Haven't you ever read from the mouths of babies and infants you've arranged praise for yourself? Then he left them and went out to the city, to Bethany, and spent the night there. May God's word shape us and form us. God is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. Amen. Um, So a lot of my stories involve my children, and I never ask them for permission because they're not 18 yet. When they're 18, I'll ask them for their permission. Uh, but uh, the other day, Cammy, uh, my two-year-old daughter, runs up to me and says, owie, owie, I have an ouchie. Or she says, actually, I have a boo-boo. And uh, she sticks her foot up into my face, and I'm looking for any signs of something but there's nothing, and so I'm rubbing her foot, and I say, all better? She said, all better, and she runs off, and a second later, she comes back, so owie, owie. I'm like, what, what, what's going on? And she's pointing at, and there's a little tiny red spot, and you can see a little kind of darkness. Um, so I'm like, oh, it must be a sliver. Um, and if, if you guys, if anyone has had a sliver, we, most of us have had a sliver, or a, glass, a little piece of glass shard stuck in our foot, and it's annoying because it hurts, it hurts, you can't see it. 
when you finally find it, it's like you're trying to scratch it with your nail. And so that, that's what I was doing. Instead of, you know, getting tweezers and a needle or something, I'm just trying to dig into her foot with my fingernail. I'm just very hygienic. Um, so I'm scratching, I'm scratching. And I'm like, all better? She's like, all better. But then two minutes later, she comes back. Owie, owie, it's just nagging little sliver. And it's so small and yet it's so annoying. And it makes me think of a parable, right? Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a little sliver, right? It's small, you can't see it, but it's really, really annoying. And after a while, this annoyance just grows and grows and grows to epic proportions. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is like, small, a small nuisance. Right? How can something so small topple giants? Right? Bring us to our knees. Debilitate us. Uh, actually, he said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, not a sliver. But if you look in the middle of our passage, one phrase or question stands out. Just right in the center. And it's the crowds or it's the people in the city asking who is this? Who is this? Right? It's like this time you're at a party and someone walks into the room and you're like, oh, they're kind of attractive. Who is this? Who was that? Or, you know, someone goes on the basketball court and they're just duking everyone, hitting every shot. Who is this? Who is this person? Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem. He enters and he causes a stir. Right, verse 10 says, and then when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. And actually, the Greek word comes from the same word that where we get seismic. Right? So earthquake. So imagine the whole city was like an earthquake. It was shaken up. Who is this person? Everything is a buzz, and it's during Passover, so the, the population of Jerusalem would swell as people make their pilgrimages into the city. Um, so the population is swelling, and there's just, you can just feel the tension mounting, you can feel like our narrative, our story, the gospel story, kind of rising and rising, and something is about to happen. And Jesus, um, I contend, uh, if you can hit the next slide is both authority and power and humility, right? He comes with authority and power, and yet he carries himself with such humility. Um, with regards to authority and power, when he says to disciples, go into uh, this town and look for a donkey. You'll see a donkey and a colt, a donkey and a colt, and they'll be tied up. And if anyone asks you, why do you need these things? Say to them, the Lord has need of it. They'll know because I'm the Lord, right? That's authority. Go and you'll see these things. And if anyone asks, say the Lord has need of it. Right? He says it. He plans it. It is so. And he expects it to happen. And the disciples, what does it say? They go and do just as he said, and it happened just as he said. That's authority. That's power. Um, 
also when he's about to enter into the town, the people just lay their clothes uh, down on the path, right? And, you know, they, they say the age of chivalry is over, right? Back in the day when I was in junior high or elementary, there was a girl I liked. I would do the thing of putting my coat down on the ground in the mud, right, for them to walk over. I kind of had a romantic, poetic spirit, and they'd be like, what? You just got your coat dirty. <laughs> and you don't see those kind of things anymore, right? You don't see those kind of things. But what, what's behind that? What's behind that is my, I view you, or I want to honor you, or I want to respect you, or I feel for you so much that I would dirty my clothes for you, that I would not want your feet to touch the mud or the dirt, right? You're that special, you're that important. And I'm willing to humble myself and lay myself down to honor you, to care for you, to express how I feel about you. And this is what the people are doing. There's no prompt, nothing like that. He's just coming in, just um, how things are happening. The events, how they're mounting upon one another. The people see Jesus riding on this donkey and they lay down their clothes. They lay down their clothes and they lay down palm branches and say, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. And the whole city is stirred. And Hosanna, uh, as Erica explained, means save us. Save us. That's authority. That's power. And commentators talk about how Jesus entering the city like this is like the great kings in the Old Testament who rode, the, who rode into the city. Um, the Davidic king. Someone to be honored and praised. And there would be people celebrating and shouting out as this king rode into the city. Other people talk about mention um, in the Roman Empire. Generals, Roman generals who are coming back from conquest, great victories in war, or a king, uh, an emperor entering the city. People would shout and, and declare their praise and their f fidelity and their allegiance um, to the king. Um, and so this display of Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, um, on the one hand, it is like a king. Right? He's, he's being declared as the king. He's being treated as a king, entering into the city. There's great power and authority in this. But also, humility. Jesus embodies humility. Um, just because he's not riding on a steed, right? He's not riding on some awesome battle horse. He's riding on a donkey, right? And the donkey's little colt. And, and so there's humility in this. And the people are, are asking, the crowds are asking, uh, who is this? And other people answer, it's the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Nazareth in Galilee? Other places in the gospel, right? You remember? Isn't this Jesus from Galilee in Nazareth? Can anything good, what? Can anything good come from Nazareth? It's a humble place. It's like, I don't want to disparage any places. It's like Tacoma? 
You're from Tacoma? Anyone from Tacoma? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Can anything good come from Tacoma? Can anything? He has humble beginnings. He has a humble background. And, um, and the other thing that is said is Jesus says um, later on at the end of our passage, haven't you ever read from the mouths of babies and infants you've arranged praise for yourself? This whole idea of God makes, the, makes foolish the wise, right? God's ways are higher than our ways, and he turns things upside down. The, what we think is powerful, what we think is glorious, what we think is competent or good, God turns that around, right? And what's foolish, what, what may seem ridiculous or foolish or b- childlike, is actually elevated. And so this is an aspect of Jesus' humility. Right? Out of, in my, the way I roll, right, in my kingdom, in my, in my realm, babes and infants speak my praise. Right? Amazing. Amazing. So humility versus authority and power, he carries those things. And then the, th- the second thing I wanted to point out is that Jesus brings conflict and compassion. That the same person in the same situation, in the same context, can bring both conflict and compassion. And we see the conflict, obviously, when he enters into the temple. He enters into the temple of Jerusalem, and he throws out the money changers. He kicks people out, and yells at him saying it's written my house will be called a house of prayer but you've made it a hideout for crooks and we have to we have to know that in deuteronomy actually deuteronomy commands uh people them to sell offerings or provide offerings uh to people who come to worship in the temple because people are coming from far off you don't want to like carry a pigeon with you on your journey your pilgrimage or, you know, whatever, have a sheep over your shoulder while you're walking hundreds of miles. And so, yes, there's going to be offering, you know, animals or offerings provided in the temple. Uh, But I think what, what was happening here was that it was becoming a market, right? It was becoming a place where there are scams or people were uh, people were cheated, and um, just the, the temple system um, was becoming a marketplace, uh, a house of a hideout for crooks, um, when the temple was supposed to be a place where people had access, right? People had access to the presence of God. People had access in order to pray, in order to worship, in order to sing praise, in order to receive uh, healing, receive the word um, from God, but this access was being blocked um, by corruption, um, by economics, by the powers that were, and a lot of times um, kind of ethnic dynamics. Like, were you Jewish? Were you Gentile? Right? Were you a religious leader, a religious person, or were you considered unclean? Were you a leper? Were you suffering from a disease because of something, uh, because of some sin in your life or some family sin? And so there were a lot of uh, obstacles and barriers 
for the common person, for the Gentile, for the outsider, to come and have access. And if we know God, God is someone who likes to be available to people. Amen? God wants to be accessed. God wants to reach out and have compassion on people. God wants to love people. God wants to heal people. God wants to give his breath of life and breathe it into people. God wants to touch people. Right? That's why God sent, God came as Christ, as a human, in order to display that, display his love embodied and say, I want to be connected to you guys. I want to be connected to people. I want to love people. I want people to be able to come. And again, that image of Jesus saying to the the disciples, let the children come to me. Let the children come to me. Access, access, access. And in our world, there's so many ways that those who are marginalized, those who are weak, those who are poor, don't have access to life. Amen? Don't have access to the gospel even. Or even in our community, what are the ways that we put up walls or uh, kind of obstacles? You pass this test and you can come in. You pass this test, you look like this, you can come and worship. You act like this, you can come and worship. Access. And God is a God of access. Um, And I think this is why that in the same city, in the same context, Two different groups of people can have two different responses to Jesus. One of great conflict um, or one of, man, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. This is life. Hosanna. Save us. Save us. Conflict. Jesus threw people out of the temple and turned over tables. Right? It's prophetic protest right? and, uh, and the scripture says he came to fulfill right, what was written Jesus came to fulfill to fulfill the scriptures the prophecies that he would come that a king would come and save and people would cry out Hosanna and so he's fulfilling that but in that fulfillment there's an overturning right? there's an overturning of the systems and the powers that are established um, that are not the kingdom of God, that are not right, the reign of God, but are contrary to that. And that reign of power is what oppresses people or brings injustice into the world. Um, the flip side of that is that Jesus brings compassion. After he clears the temple, right, imagine if I'm was Jesus and was like, forget projectors. I threw the projector against the wall, took the laptop, slammed it. The soundboard slammed it on the ground. You're making this place of worship Best Buy, a place of technology where all your little gadgets, you don't even use a Bible, you use a cell phone, right? I need recording this. I need that right there, right? <laughs> this is a place, a den of crooks, a den of technology, right? You cannot even look at each other. You'd rather talk on Facebook than look at each other face to face. You guys would be like, you're getting a message across, but we don't know. Are you doing okay, Dave? <laughs> Pastor Dave, like, you're getting a message across. But this is 
Jesus' actions. He overturned everything in the temple. And then what happens in our passage, it says, and the sick came to him, right? Totally changed what that space was being used for. They came to him and he healed them. He had a healing service right there in the temple with all the money on the ground and everything overturned, the destruction, his compassion comes through. And people who were hungering and thirsty, thirsting for the presence of God, received. They could see Jesus and his love. Jesus came into a time in a place where people were hungering for God, were hungering for good news. And there were things in the way. There were things and people that were pushing them out. And Jesus came as a protest, right? Jesus came in protest of that and said, no, this is not how it should be. And he overturned things so that people could come and say, Hosanna, save us. Jesus didn't just come to brighten everyone's day and make a happy celebration, right? I know usually on Palm Sunday, uh, we come and we swing our palm branches, right? And we celebrate. And that's, that's a big part of who Jesus is. We celebrate who he is. We celebrate his authority. Uh, but at the same time, Jesus is the fulfillment of ancient prophecy, Right. Jesus is the fulfillment of the longing, of the hunger of God's people waiting in anticipation. He was the fruition of the Lord's hand at work in the world. And for many people, the poor, the sick, those looking for new life, those spiritually and physically thirsting, Jesus was good news. For others, particularly the established order, Jesus brought on the oh crap moment. Right. He confronted people with the truth of themselves, that, um, that they are loved by God and that they have strayed and have been putting yokes and chains on other people. If Jesus never stirred things up, right, never protested, never challenged what leaders said was the way of God, never went straight at the corrupt temple system, then he wouldn't have been killed. Christ was not conflict avoidant. He was not the everyone be happy figure in Jerusalem. He was a polarizing figure that many felt threatened by. This is why he suffered. This is why he was arrested, tried, sentenced, imprisoned, tortured, and executed in public. Because God's ways are higher than our ways. Because the world's wisdom is foolishness to God. Because we tend to take good things and corrupt them. But out of the mouths of children and infants come praise. And the challenge for us is, will we stand in solidarity with Jesus? Will we stand in the places that he stood? And will we speak out in the ways that he spoke out? And will we allow our hearts to be childlike in order to remember or even be honest with the fact that we need to be healed, that we need to be saved, that we're crying out, Hosanna, save us, save us, save us. So uh, some questions to ponder. 
Jesus creates an earthquake in the city. He stirs the city. Um, how will you respond when the Holy Spirit causes a stir in your own heart? How will you respond to Jesus? Will you push back violently or will you humble yourself and accept what he has for you? Will you accept what Christ has for you? Um, in this Lenten season, we've been on a journey, a journey of humility, a journey of fasting, in order to allow ourselves to open our hearts to what Christ has for us. Um, and as we do that, Christ does have a word for us. He has a word for you. He's wanting um, to renew, to give you new life, to transform you. But sometimes that new life and that transformation, it gets ugly, right? It hurts. It's painful. Um, it, it means overturning of tables. Um, so will you accept that? Will you receive what Jesus has for you? Secondly, what does it mean to live in solidarity with Jesus, to live lives of prophetic protest, to be a prophetic community that stands for the gospel and, and access for all people to the temple and the grace and the love of God, to break down walls that will free people rather than maintain walls that confine people. And this is where we come to um, the sliver conspiracy or the mustard seed conspiracy, right? It starts with a small voice. It starts with a small act. It starts with a small decision to say yes. It starts with a small church or a community it can make a huge impact for the kingdom of God if we just stand uh, with Jesus, if we just stand and say no, this is the way it needs to be. This is the way to life. Come. Um, so if you get that sliver in your heart that's annoying and you're like, what is this? Um, don't overlook it. Look at it and consider um, that it's the Holy Spirit, that it's Jesus moving in you, wanting to do things through you and in you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you um, that you are the high king, that you came to save us and you came to heal us and that you are still working in the world to save and to heal and to release the captives. Um, and we are a people, we are the crowds outside of the city shouting, Hosanna. And in our praise and worship, uh, we lay down our clothes, our palms um, at your feet, um, proclaiming that you are king and you are Lord in our lives. And I pray that uh, in this season of Lent, and as we head into Easter, um, that we can be mindful of your sacrifice and your suffering, um, but also the vision and the hope and the power that is in your resurrection and new life that we can participate in new life um, in the people around us, in, the, in our neighborhoods, in our households, in our city. In your name we pray. Amen.